Mike one, Mike one, isn't this a lot of fun? Did you, America? Hello, welcome to another Did You America? He's Jeremy Hoffman. I'm Ian Canfield. We're in season two. This is episode... I want a Slurpee. Since we did the last episode, the lineup for the 2022 Super Bowl halftime show has been announced. Oh, go on. Sorry. I I don't know whether that was you showing enthusiasm. So much enthusiasm. Letting out a middle-aged ache. Yeah, that was a little bit similar sound in both. It was an when you orgasm. Get, when, you, when you get into your 30s, you'll be making that noise just when you sit down. Look at my belly. I make them now. <laughs> I thought you'd be uh, enthusiastic about this show. I've never been more excited. You know, actually, I take that back. There is one downside to this show. I'm not going to be able to watch it because I'm going to be so stressed out because the Cowboys are going to be in the Super Bowl. It's going to be halftime. I'm going to be wondering how the game's going to end. Cowboys are doing very well so far, right? Oh, more than... First of all, real quick tangent. We have the two greatest defensive players in the history in the, of the NFL in Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs. Please go on. Mm-hmm. And uh, didn't I read somewhere, uh, someone was talking about the fact that the key to success this time is that they're changing their strategy for each team that they play. And even someone who's maybe not particularly over-familiar with American football would think, huh, they didn't think to do that before? Isn't, every, isn't each Look. team you play different? Look. Wouldn't, wouldn't they, you know, as a Brit, right, who's never played American football, who calls it American football, I could go in as a consultant and earn a load of money off Jerry Jones and go, hey, Jerry, have you considered changing your strategy for each team that you play? I will say this. In defense of our last two defensive coaches, one of them was an old curmudgeon who refused to change anything, and the other one thought because of COVID, his team was too dumb to learn anything new. So now we got a new guy in there. He's confident that these guys can learn something new. And goddamn, they're proving it. And they're proving it so hard right now. This never happened. You know the greatest part about all this? I've placed four bets on the Cowboys this year. Mm. I've won every single one of them. That never happened. This is a magical year, my friend. So um, you'll get to halftime. The Cowboys will be leading. That'll be incredibly exciting. And then before the excitement of half two, of of part two, where the Cowboys win their first Super Bowl since when was it? 94? 94, First first Super Bowl in uh, like 25 years, ahead of them winning the first Super Bowl in about 25 years, you will have seen Dr. Dre, Eminem, and Snoop Dogg perform at halftime. That is an impressive lineup. You're forgetting Mary J. Blige and Kendrick Lamar to top it off. I mean, Plus like, Mary J. Blige and Kendrick Lamar to so, top it off. First of all, this is this is the great for for me. This is the single greatest Super Bowl halftime show announcement in the history of the game. Right. I mean, as much as I love classic rock, as much as I love, you know, some of the modern pop stars that they've thrown out there, just this is just this is this is why they brought Jay Z in. You know, the first year he was like, All right, I'll give you the surprising pop show. Mm. You know, we got J Lo and Shakira and that you know, there are a lot of people who are excited for that, and it surprised a lot of people who weren't excited about it. Last year, a lot of people complained about The weekend. I actually thought it was a great show. Um, if you like his music, he put on a very entertaining show, but it wasn't the level that people thought Jay-Z was going to bring. Mm. This is why the, the NFL brought in Jay-Z to figure out the Super Bowl halftime show. The first year in L.A., and just... An explosion of LA talent, but and someone from Detroit, and someone from Detroit, and someone from New York, also. It's just, but it's all, it's all under the umbrella of Dr. Dre because Dr. Dre helped bring both of those careers mm-hmm. up. This is what so everyone's excited about, yo. What's you, his payday? Because he's still oh. paying his wife, right? Is that why he's doing it? He's like, oh, Jay Z, please give me a Super Bowl halftime show. Do you know? Do you know what? How much that bitch is taking me for? Doctor Dre, he likes the word bitch. We'll come to that in a second. <laughs> Doctor Dre could have forty divorces and he'd still be okay. <laughs> the man has money. The most. Are you sure? I feel like the the wife who's walked out on him most recently. She took a lot. Yeah, I feel like she knows where all of the money is buried, and she went for at least half of it. Did you see how much money he got from Beats, though? Yeah. 
So did she. Yeah, I'll have. <laughs> so, you know, everyone's wondering, like, is this it? Is this going to be this fine? I mean, clearly, it's the Super Bowl halftime, so there's mm. going to be a lot of surprises along the way. And in L.A., what's the one thing that they didn't really bring up that in this giant L.A. rap show, while well, you have Dr. Dre there? Where's Ice Cube? Mm-hmm. Where's all the other members of NWA? Well, one of them's dead. Well, I'm getting to that. A hologram. A hologram. We're gonna Easy. have a, the last time. The last time Snoop and Dre got together for a big show, we got the Tupac hologram, and everyone. There's been talk that maybe that might happen again because Tupac is so LA. You know who's more LA than Tupac? Easy motherfucking E. That's who. So uh, this was. This is going to be Dre's deal. Then he goes to Jay Z. He's like that bitch. He says bitch a lot. Oh yeah. That bitch. She's taking half my money. I'll do the show. You've got to pay me a ridiculous amount of money to do the show, but we'll use the halftime show to launch the NWA reunion tour with the Easy E hologram. Yes. And then we can take that globally. And then this will be money that that bitch, because he says bitch a lot, is not taking. The, uh, the that's, other, that's his whole plan. The thing that might, the one bad aspect of the show that people, fans should really worry about is, you know, it still is, you know, NFL conservative family values all that stuff how is snoop dogg gonna smoke weed during that show <laughs> he can't perform without it he hasn't in years well i'm i'm actually wondering because i think it's a great lineup for the halftime show as the well best ever but, but possibly but but given everyone's enthusiasm to dig back into people's pasts and people getting cancelled because they made jokes that i read and i go really is it really that bad you've got you've lost a tv show because you made that joke on twitter in 2012 you know, th- these are things that are going on in 2021. Going back for years and years over people's tweets and, oh my God, they said this. Can you believe it? And then suddenly, you know, not everyone gets to take the summer off like Jimmy Kimmel. Some, some, <laughs> some, some, some people's careers are ruined. Some people have to work. And, 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 and I just think to myself... Literally every other line on that was it that what what was the Snoop Dogg album that had gin and juice on it? I think Doggy Style. Yes, was that not the first album? Yeah. See, I bought that album. Great album. Right, that album. Every other line on that is cancelable if you read it out now. I mean, you're if you think Snoop Dogg's words are the only thing cancelable about him, then you do not know the history of Snoop Dogg, my friend. The world has clearly forgotten that the man was at one time on trial for murder. There he were, has multiple songs about it. When I was a kid growing was up, the case. he was um he came in to the UK to do like a few shows. And one of the tabloid newspapers, the next day, he was on, I don't know, Channel 4 or something. The next day, their front page headline, National News, was a photo of Snoop Dogg, because he'd been on TV the night before, with the headline, Kick This Evil Bastard Out. <laughs> and and, and, and that, that they hadn't even heard the, the lyrics to What's My Name. And now every single company is like, well, how are we going to make everyone love us? I know, hire Snoop right. Dogg. So maybe they've turned a corner, which I'm fine with. I'm just saying that there is a section of the population out there that don't like to turn a corner, and if they're prepared to go into someone's tweets from like 2012, it's going to be much, 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 much easier to do a Google search for the lyrics for Bitches Ain't Shit by Dre and then see what he was writing in 1990-something. Do you think some of those same people might question those lyrics from Eminem's first couple albums where like he openly talked about wanting to kill his wife? I'm Ex-wife, com- I'm me. coming to that and all of the ways that he was going to kill her. And isn't there a story about like beheading his mom and burying her in the ground or something? Thing. Several. I can't remember whether he wanted to do that to his mum or his wife, but both, both women. Both women. <laughs> right. Not his beloved Haley, though. The first two Eminem albums are pretty graphic um, in that sense. So again, it's all out there, and it's a lot easier to find than the producer from Jeopardy's tweet from like nineteen nineteen ninety nine or whatever it was that was that was dug up Snoop from Dogg's him. Snoop Dogg's actually now the host of Jeopardy. <laughs> well, this is the weird thing. I could see I, I could see Snoop Dogg hosting Jeopardy for a week. He hosts everything, and the reality is, this is probably going to be a great Super Bowl halftime show, and people won't dig out the cover of Doggy Style with the the ass of a woman on the back while he is that's the cover right am i remembering yeah. right no it's no like the cover, a, it's the it's like a snoopy dog, yeah. isn't it like a dog kennel yeah well but it's like it, it's like it, snoopy yeah 
from uh, Snoopy. Uh, Charlie Brown in right. the red doghouse. But what it actually is is meant to be like Snoop Dogg on the cover of uh, on the top of a dog kennel while there's a bear lady's backside sticking outside of it. That if I remember rightly, he's slapping. Yeah, um, that's exactly what it is. I don't <laughs> right. see your voice as bad. <laughs> I'm just saying it's you know he's not slapping. He's reaching for it lovingly. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So anyway. Let's uh, not worry about the fact that uh, I don't think that still to this day, uh, America has quite recovered, or at least some parts of America have not quite recovered from seeing Janet Jackson's nipple. But now you've got all of this, all of these greatest hits that uh, Snoop Dogg and Eminem and Dr. Dre could could dig into their back catalogue for to give a halftime show. And, uh, you know... Could you just excuse me for a few seconds while I clear my browser history of doggy style? <laughs> I do think it's a it's a it's a very good lineup. Although I would say this, just to to play devil's advocate, is it possible for anyone to do a Super Bowl halftime show now that is universally praised? Because I, I mean, I, the weekend, I think he's good at what he does. It's not anything I would choose to listen to at home, but I, I watched that Super Bowl halftime show and I thought like, oh, you know, that's what the weekend does. That was okay. And then the next day, I feel like it was universally panned. And so it seems that if you show up and you're an artist who um, sings or mimes some songs... It's not good enough because people want a circus. If you show up and you give them a circus like Lady Gaga, people go, "Oh my God, she was fat." Remember that? <laughs> like every, 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 every. Yeah, but no one's gonna say Snoop Dogg's fat. Every person, every person who posted that Lady Gaga was fat has never been and will never be in as good shape as Lady Gaga was for that Super Bowl halftime show in the rest for the, for the rest of their lives. Right, it's thick. <laughs> but the, but the point is, she was you know doing the circus yeah. act the weekend did more of like the weekend's act and i feel like i mean i'm, I'm a, i can't remember what the shows were like i've seen the footage but i'm aware that in the past people like um springsteen or the stones did halftime shows yeah i'm pretty certain that um you know they didn't jump from choppers or do any kind of acrobatics they probably just showed up and played three or four of their songs and then went off and it was uh it was time for the second half but back when they were doing it there was no social media so people didn't you know pick them apart like the stones i'm sure got up and did brown sugar satisfaction jumping jack flash and fucked off again right. and everyone went you know that was fine so now it seems to me whether you're lady gaga jumping from a a plane or, or your uh, the weekend doing what the weekend does nothing's good enough for halftime well so I mean yes you you definitely make a valid point there but I have so much confidence in this show because of how different it's gonna be than all those other shows you know rap hip hop is something that they've avoided other than like the one off like bring the special guest on at the Super Bowl halftime have show forever have they avoided it because they're scared though because well, they avoided it because they don't find, you know, they want the big pop star right. for all, everyone to watch. And for years now, they've said, like, oh, rap isn't popular enough. It's not popular enough. Not enough fans we love. But rap is the single most popular music genre yeah, there totally. is and has been for the last 15 years now. So finally, they're catching up with the times. But besides that, have you ever been to a rap concert? It's the energy of that is so different than a rock show where mm-hmm. it's more of as you know or a rock show with your favorite band well yes there is a hype level to it like you really are still going for the music a lot of rap shows are just a party atmosphere and that's what the super bowl halftime show needs everyone's too caught up on oh they did it sound right oh it was pre-recorded I don't give a shit. Show me Snoop Dogg trying not to smoke a blunt in the middle of the stage <laughs> while Eminem raps about killing his wife and or mother. Kendrick Lamar in the Mac being like, LA, I love you. Hopefully a white girl doesn't get on stage with him and rap the N-word or else she's going to get canceled <laughs> again. And then you have it topped off with Mary J. Blige bringing beautiful sounds across the whole board and all surrounding the greatest name in hip-hop history, Sir Dr. Dre. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's going to be a fantastic is show. Is everyone making sure that Dog the Bounty Hunter doesn't show up? Because, like, you know, he's going to no. be like, no, I can say it. Some brother said it's okay. That's actually going to be his final moment at the end of the show. The hey, I got the guy. Brian gonna... Laundry, everyone. It's going to take till February, but he's going to hold his head and up. And then he's going to snap the guy's body above his head and drink his blood. He's literally going to hold his head up, and Eminem's going to go, that's what I wanted to do to my ex wife. <laughs> you know, this, can I just make one real quick Super Bowl tangent? You know what the NFL really screwed up on? I didn't realize this till like last week. You know, they added a game this year. Yes. And they didn't shift the schedule back a week. They mm. shifted the schedule forward a week. You know what that means? Like every seven years, the Super Bowl is going to be on Valentine's Day. Does it? The NFL just screwed over men for history. And they're they're sacrificing so much value because there's going to be plenty of women who do not let their men watch that game. Yeah. Yeah, this is a this is possibly the dumbest move the NFL has ever done since letting their players die of head injuries and just not say anything about it. <laughs> a huge section of the population are subject to the poppy bowl for yes. years to come. <laughs> That's why you know, I from forever single. That's the only reason. It's nothing to do with my looks. Um, talking of um, Rolling Stones, as we were briefly, because they did play a halftime uh, Super Bowl show that apparently no one had any problems with. It was easier back then, right? <laughs> there was no Twitter back right. then. <laughs> it was post Wyman, so they couldn't get cancelled for that. <laughs> um, Mick Jagger was uh, making the news this week. I wonder, conspiracy theory. Are the Rolling Stones ticket sales for this tour that they've embarked on? I can't imagine they're doing badly, but are they maybe not doing as well as Mick Jagger would like? Because it seems to me that he resisted doing an interview with Howard Stern for, what, the, the best part of 30 years. How long has Stern been on? Like, as a big yeah, thing, over 30, 30 years? maybe 40, yeah. yeah. 30 to 40 years. And um, he capitulated on that last week for an interview that was actually terrible and largely not due to howard stern but we'll, we'll we'll come to mick jagger and him behaving like a politician at all times and then he decides he's going to do this totally staged fake oh look <laughs> i'm a man of the people photo opportunity by going into a dive bar in where was it charlotte uh, north, yeah, yeah. north carolina so the stones are playing there um the next night but uh, the night or two nights before the show, I think it was two nights before the show, just in time for some people to buy last minute tickets. See what I mean? Jagger decides that he's going to go out and get a beer and uh, doesn't put the picture on his Instagram that particular evening, post it the next day so people couldn't go, oh my God, he's at our local bar, let's go and mop him. But the gist of the story is he went to a random dive bar in uh, North Carolina, got a beer. No one knew who he was, even though it turned out several people in that bar had tickets to see the stones um later that week and uh well it's been a great uh, uh financial stimulus uh concept for the bar because they've been i mean they were on national news i saw like the guy who owns the bar going oh my god mick jagger was in here and no one recognized him does anyone actually believe for a second that mick jagger spent more than the two minutes it took to take that picture in the bar or actually drank that beer i'm saying from year he definitely drank the beer for years drink he could finish a beer in two seconds i don't care how old he is you think so he chugged that beer yeah when, he, when you're a pro drinker even at 80 you could do it i don't know that he is a pro drinker i don't think he really drinks beer i don't think he really drinks i think he's still fitness fanatic at 78 i think everything about that was look when i come to towns like charlotte north carolina i'm such a man of the people i like to go out to i, I went onto google and i said oh well, the thirsty beaver that seems like the kind of place i'd like to spend the tuesday and i went in there and i said uh you got any local breweries i have one of those see you're you think that this is a uh a promo money grab you know like oh ticket sales aren't doing that good i think that this is just like mick being overly business about it like he wants too much money from it because like between you know them getting older charlie watts dying you know covid shutting down the tour last year like there's so many reasons why people would want to go to this show but i'm pretty sure they added a second show in charlotte 
And he was probably just like, that was probably unexpected. So he was like, all right, guys, screw it. Let's do one more show to make even more money. I'll just do a little bit of promo. I'll let Stern get off for 40 minutes and, you know, appease him and finally go on the show. And I'll do this photo op so everyone loves me again. And then, boom, two sellout shows. I, um, oh, I don't, I'm not telling you that the ticket sales are going badly. And I absolutely believe that if you said to Mick Jagger, if you did uh, X, Y, and Z promo, you could sell an extra 50 tickets, which to him, the value of that is you, he would not notice like the difference. It's like $10 million. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but, but he literally would do that. I think he he is absolutely of the school of thought that you can never have too much. So and he would do it, you know, would put put in the work and, and, and everything um, and does what's required. I have some friends that used to do the... Um, uh, promotion for the Rolling Stones in the UK. And I had to put together a, um, let's call it a mixtape for want of a better term, that was going to be played when the Stones played their London stadium shows, right? And all this was, was the music that was played between um, whoever the main support act was and the Rolling Stones going on stage. Right. And, uh, you know, my friends did the promotion for that gig, but they did lots of work in, in media in the UK. So they said, like, he, he emailed them and said, um, I'm not happy with that music. Find someone you work with in radio to do a mix of the right music. So his attention to detail is to the nth degree that he would give a shit about music that's playing quiet in the background before the stones come on while everyone's having a pee or, or going to the bar that attention to detail I think is there and and he and he's got that and, and he's a businessman through and through and he likes to oversee every aspect of it but everything with Mick Jagger now aside from the actual performance is so calculated and so dull case in point the Howard Stern interview right. I listen to Howard Stern go on and on and on about how much Mick Jagger was he ideal interview and, and he'd wanted him for decades and he couldn't get him and he'd got him now and he was super excited and the promotion through all of the Sirius XM channels about the fact that Jagger was finally on Stern was absolutely phenomenal and then Jagger gave Stern 45 minutes which is about a quarter of the length of time that people as standard give Stern right. now on Zoom from his hotel room in Charlotte and told him absolutely nothing yeah, I felt, I felt. I felt like Jagger had more of a conversation with the maid that came in the, the hotel <laughs> room Zoom for that him. day than he did with Stern. I yeah, I felt really bad for Stern. So I'm I'm a huge Howard Stern fan, and you know. Uh, you could tell in the interview he was so excited and he for years he's thought of like what am I going to ask him and he had to know like he had a limited time so he tried to do just like let me just have a conversation with him and tried to not really have a plan but in the end he you could tell he thought the interview was going to go longer than 45 minutes so all of a sudden it was over and you know, a lot of people have said it was a bad interview some people have said it was a great interview I'm kind of in the middle more leaning towards bad only because as a fan of these long form music interviews that Stern does, you know, he, it just, it wasn't enough. It ended before they could really get into the nitty gritty of everything and really go into the song catalog and his relationship with Keith Richards and, you know, album by album. And, you know, I, I said before the podcast, when we were discussing it, you know, with, with McCartney, there were always, you know, whenever he got the great big Paul McCartney interviews, he's done a couple of them now. You know, McCartney was always coming in to promote something, yeah. whether it was a new album, uh, a movie, uh, you know, a, a different project that he had. And Jagger, for the most part, only has one thing to promote, and that's their tour. Mm. And for the most part, it always sells out. Now, what you're saying is, you know, maybe, maybe what's the reason? What's the reason he's now deciding to do all this stuff? Is the tour selling what it used to? Not all this stuff. One interview with Stern and a fixed photo opportunity. But for at a him, bar. that's two big things. Well, yeah, and a beer he didn't drink. Um, but, <laughs> he butt chugged it. I, bet, I have inside information. I, I bet he left it there. Like, I bet he left it there. Um, and the and I love the fact that the bar said that they got no bar tab because he paid in cash. He totally took that cash from. So he's like, "Have you got five bucks? I need to get a beer." Like, how do I do this? Mick Jagger hasn't seen a five dollar bill ever. No, he, of course he hasn't got them. He got some got like five dollar bill off someone else. He had like the first credit card. 
But my point is with Jagger, I mean, first of all, I think um, it wasn't possible for Stern to get a good interview out of Jagger because Jagger hasn't given a good interview in about 40 years. Jagger stopped giving good interviews around the time Howard Stern started. Right. Because about 30 to 40 years ago, I don't know what, what happened. Because if you want, there's plenty of clips on YouTube where... Um, even if he's not saying amazing stuff, he's still he's still delivering and in, in, being an interviewee in a more entertaining fashion. But 30 to 40 years ago, I don't know what it was that changed maybe things in his personal life where he just suddenly decided um, pretty much that he was going to shut down. And he's still doing interviews and stuff like that, but you get literally nothing from him. And he wants to promote what he wants to promote. Like the bit in the, the Stern interview where Stern was saying to him, and he wanted him to come back and be on for several hours and they'll just go through the catalogue. Now, I get Stern's thinking. I think he was thinking, well, Mick will be comfortable if we just go song to song to song and then during that process I'll get information out of Mick Jagger that maybe other people haven't because we're just talking about the songs. Even that to Jagger, going back over the catalogue, like he would rather gorge his, eye, his eyeballs out. That's just the way that he is. He and he, does, even his answer was very much like, uh, I don't know about no, that stuff. He literally, he, he doesn't want to, every time you see him do an interview since the 80s, certainly since the 90s, it's like watching a party political broadcast he presents himself in the way that a politician would where you never get anything of substance from them and they're delivering the message that they want to deliver and they've got a way of deflecting the questions that they don't want to answer and you get a very strict allotted time and right. jagger's been like that and and uh, uh, nearly 80 there ain't anything that's gonna that's gonna throw him off that path from now well as a stern fan i will say that this you know he did push the show back very till like four hours after it normally airs to accommodate jagger for this interview so you know there could have been a situation where he wanted to do the show all this time and because you know stern finally said okay i'll have it in the in, in the afternoon for you it allowed for this to happen stern would have I mean, moved it to the afternoon years ago yeah yes and no but i think yes. i think because of the enticing and the pushing from his team it definitely you know he's heard it enough and they just pushed it back like the week before from Metallica. You know what was so with the Zoom thing, and also you have to remember they were on tour, and we you just said how regimented and you know into working out and doing everything a part of the show that Jagger is. So mm -hmm. on his day off in between shows in Charlotte, you can imagine they're either practicing or having a sound check or something. So there is a reason maybe he had to get off in 45 minutes, and the interview could have been so comfortable for him that there is a slight chance, a slight chance that sometime in the future he will say fuck it and give the two hour long interview that everyone always wants and all it'll be is him telling us why he hates Keith I guarantee you at the end of this tour he's gonna hate Keith again and what's gonna happen he's gonna want to open up he's gonna be too lazy to write another book he hasn't written a book He t they offered him a load of money to write a book and he started to do it years ago and then decided he hated dragging up his past in the privacy of his own room it's so much that he just is like he gave the money back when was the last time do you think Mick Jagger gave money back never he had oh, the first no, credit card except when he was given a load of money to write a book which he then decided actually he didn't want to do that is absolute bullshit your theory that is like that is like stern fan theory is mm -hmm. what that is what i'll tell you yeah. i'll tell you exactly what was happening there were two computers by jagger one of them had the zoom on it and he was thinking oh god i gotta spend 45 minutes with howard stern and the other the other computer had the ticket sales ticking over <laughs> for the for the for the extra shot <laughs> show and as soon as they reach whatever he wanted right. to reach he's like okay i oh, gotta God. go now i gotta go now the only there was only one bit that that amused me during that entire interview was uh when stern was asking jagger about um if he could remember all of the rolling stone songs and um jagger said uh well you know uh one of keith's favorite mantras is i wrote it but i don't remember it and jagger tagged onto that and i sometimes think to myself 
But did you write it? <laughs> he had to take at least one shot. That's what I'm saying. If he ever gave the interview, it would be so good. So we can get like one little amusing quote like that out of 45 minutes. It, exactly. I mean, look, I love the Paul McCartney interviews that he does, but this has been Paul trying to you know revise history and be like, oh no, I was the friendly Beatle. Everyone loved me and I loved John and I didn't break up the band. Jagger's not going to do that. I, my theory with Paul McCartney is that Paul McCartney has never got over the fact that he never really got to make up with Lennon before Lennon died and he spent the rest of the time since trying to rewrite history about how things were between them and what was going on because I think it really got to him that um the, the 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 friendship was never kind of made up and maybe if uh you know lennon wasn't shot there would have been some kind of reunion or something like that i don't even think it's necessarily down to a, a, the possibility of a reunion i think it's down to the relationship between the two of them let me tell you this the relationship with mick and keith is as good as it's ever going to get at this point and the only thing that's going on right now is like how many tickets do we still need to sell? all right tell stern he can have 45 minutes <laughs> um, by the way do i need to go to a bar and do a photo opportunity with a bottle of beer like it's all it's it's all so convoluted it's all so convoluted listen this is my howard stern i know you listen to this podcast right yeah if you religiously want, if you want a member of the rolling stones to give you three hours to give you great stories some of which will be made up but they'll still be really 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 good and you want to get all of the press and everything off the back of that you've got to get an interview with Keith Richards Keith Richards Keith Richards will deliver everything that Howard Stern wants Mick Jagger to do but Mick Jagger does not want to do Mick Jagger hated every minute of those 45 minutes and then at the end of it when Stern was like come back I'll start the show late you can get up early when you're in New York we just need to do two hours we won't I won't even ask questions we'll just do it song by song and Joe was like yeah mate but at the start of the interview when he, he did this huge build up huge build up and it was like Jagger when he came on was not really aware of who he was talking to the first thing that Jagger said in this tone at this speed was well it's um nice to be talking with you and um I'm um I'm glad I'm on the show and um here we are. I got woken up by a preacher. Like he went, <laughs> the way you know if the person he's interviewing knows anything about the show is if they address Robin. If they never address Robin, it's because they don't know anything about the show. He didn't address her once. No, no. Again, that's wrong. Mick Jagger will. Mick Jagger is aware of everything that's a dominant media force. He will know exactly what that show is about and who those people are. There will be a reason. Um, some people have told me what the reason is, but I can't say on this podcast why he hasn't done Stern up until this point. And when he did decide to do it, you could tell that it was just very begrudgingly and it will never happen again. I'll tell you this, right? It's because he doesn't want everything being revealed. He knows what would be revealed. The world does it, but he knows. Yeah. That's what happens with people. That, that's the other thing. He, he knows. That's why he's not allowing Keith Richards to go on. Hey, Stern doesn't want Keith Richards on because the only person you can get away with, with interviewing for an hour without the audience understanding a word is Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> other than that, it can't be done. That, that might be Stern's a- like, is Wyman available? I don't get it. What, what can we do here? What about if he got Keith in and Bill Wyman to translate what right. Keith's saying? That's a dream interview. <laughs> but otherwise, he's like, Keith, you can't do that show. They're, they can't know that I was doing heroin with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I'll tell you this. They can't know that we banged uh, Justin Trudeau's mom. That, of course that happened. And it was the one that Prince Margaret, he banged her, the royalty. He banged like, all he of that. He's actually my dad. <laughs> it's not Walter Becker. I'm fat Mick Jagger. Um, he, um, yeah, I'm telling you, he like even, even I, right? I'm an, a no one in the grand scheme of things. But as I said, I, I know people that work with the Stones and... Um, when I was on the radio in the UK and they were going to do some promo, their promo person would call me, right, and go, uh, oh, the Stones are doing uh, Twickenham Stadium, whatever it is. And uh, i go like, yeah. And then the promo person would go, um, so uh, Mick's available to do interviews. And this would be our conversation. Promo person, hey, Mick's available to do interviews, me. Mm. Promo person, you'd rather Keith, wouldn't you? <laughs> me. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's like, okay, let me see what I can do. Right? I just got Keith Richards and I didn't even respond with words. Yeah, like, but I did just you went... understand a single one of his words? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> At one point, 
is a heroin. You're like, I got that one. <laughs> I'm telling you. If you Pirates. Want, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's a great thing to get. I mean, who doesn't want to talk to a Rolling Stone, especially if it's Mick O'Keefe? And, but you don't get anything of substance from Mick Jagger, and no one has for the last 30 to 40 years. If you get Keith Richards, 50% of it could be made up, but it would still be entertaining. The rest of it would be true. And that would be a great interview. And as far as I know, Bill Wyman isn't busy. You've only <laughs> got to tell him that you're going What about if Stern brings strippers back to the show, but none of them are 21 yet, right? right? It's like, Bill Wyman's like, oh, I'm there. I- <laughs> Little acoustic performance of Je Suis and Rockstar in the corner. So I think we- <laughs> Stern's like, listen, okay, I'm going to admit it. The Jagger interview was the worst interview I've ever done. We've got to get through this acoustic performance of Solo Bill Wyman, but once that's over, (laughs) we'll get all the stories stories from Keith, and Bill's going to translate them so we can understand what he's saying. So I think we're in agreement here. The only Rolling Stone that will ever be on Did You America is Bill Wyman. We won't even accept Ronnie Wood. If you're talking about uh, the faces and Rod Stewart, Stewart, maybe, but otherwise, give us Wyman. All right, we'll do a new uh, song of the week set up and discuss some other stuff in part two. Stand by. All right, let's do part two of Did You America. Uh, last time we did the uh, song of the week. Uh, New York producer had Fire in Your House by Walk the Moon, which got 10% of the vote. Jeremy went for Driver 8, the REM cover by Jason Isbell, got uh, 44% of the vote. Nice. Uh, War on Drugs win with 46% of the vote for their new song, I Don't Live Here Anymore. But we I almost had you. You, you did. You did. You should look for more bands covering R.E.M. Yeah, that's not going to happen this week. (laughs) Uh, Three new songs. These are the ones that you care about from now. I shall have a post on my Twitter, or you can vote via digiamerica.com. For Song of the Week this week, I'm going with the new one by Asking Alexandria, which is called Never Gonna Learn. I'm going with the song Rollin' Papers by one of the most underrated rappers in the game, Dom Kennedy. And a New York producer choosing I Don't Want to Talk by Wallows. So I Don't Want to Talk by Wallows, Rolling Papers by Dom Kennedy, or Never Gonna Learn by Asking Alexandria. Uh, votes at the poll on my Twitter. I'm at Ian Canfield on Twitter, or you can go to digiamerica.com if you want to vote there uh, via the website. That's also where you can go to uh, communicate with us uh, for the podcast. Any messages you wish to impart, um, send us a message via digiamerica.com. Or you can talk to us uh, at Ian Canfield on Twitter or on Instagram. I am Camfield off the radio. Uh, David Lee Roth has decided that he's retiring. Wait, didn't he retire... October 6, 2020? That's when Eddie Van Halen died. Oh, I see what see I did what there. You, you did see what there. I did there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I just looked up when he died for that joke. No, that's good. That's good. Um, also, two days away from the anniversary of that. Man, has time flown. Is it? Yeah, October 6th. It's oh October 4th today. It's been a year. It seems like maybe a few months. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm rem- like 80 now. <laughs> I remember. So it was David Lee Roth. Well, yeah. Uh, well, David Lee Roth still looks in remarkably good shape. If only there was. Jim for the voice. I'd make a hair joke, but I'm in no position to no, make a hair I joke about anyone. I don't think his hair is fine. He's got some on his head. He's not tried to keep it looking big and, and yeah. puffed up and ridiculous. Right. David Lee Roth, I think he is actually 68. Like he's late 60s. He still looks very physically in shape. I think David Lee Roth looks like a, a healthy keeps himself in trim nearly 70 year old maybe you know, hear me out with this theory maybe he didn't retire because you know every time he's interviewed he goes on like crazy soliloquies that make no sense he's throwing in like all these like big like you know words that you only ever see when you're like studying for the SATs <laughs> yes and then all of a sudden you're just like oh my god I just got bombarded with stardom I think that's what he did to the interviewer and the interviewer was that wasn't playing. He was like, he said, hang up his shoes. That can only mean he's quitting. <laughs> yeah. I think it would be very easy to misunderstand David Lee Roth because to be honest, um, he's like the opposite to what we were saying about Mick Jagger. You could interview David Lee Roth and he could give you eight hours of his time and be incredibly entertaining. But during the by the end of those eight hours, you have learned absolutely nothing about David Lee Roth. When you, when you think about it, he's, the, he's got this ultimate rock star showmanship demeanor um 
Now, he's not so good at singing anymore. We'll get to that yeah, in a second. That was always Hagar's thing anyway. <laughs> yeah, they brought in a singer <laughs> after 1984. Yeah. They didn't need one before then because Diamond Dave did everything else much better. It was a showman. That's what people like to say when they're being nice. Right, but he was, but he was a showman and, and he still is a showman. But I, I guarantee you, you could spend eight hours in his presence and then if you really analyze what you, you could have a great time. I, I spent an hour in his presence once doing an interview and it was one of my favorite things ever, 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 ever ever he's the most American person I've ever met but didn't know still don't know anything about David Lee Roth because he's this beneath the the ridiculous gregarious showmanship um in terms of what David Lee Roth is actually like as a person no idea whatsoever and in much the same way that um some people have told me the real reason why Mick Jagger wouldn't do Howard Stern for so long I've got an idea as to what David Lee Roth is like behind the curtain and I also can't say that on this podcast because it would be betraying a trust but anyway you you do, you get this show everything with Dave is a show right and there's nothing of it's very entertaining but there's about there's about as much substance in the show that he puts on as there is voice and there ain't a lot of that left I think also though it, it kind of shows uh, a maturity in him if he really is calling it quits you know it's no secret uh, if you followed his career the last few months, like he's kind of been called out. A few, you know, there was the Gene Simmons thing where he said he couldn't sing. I think there was one other show that may have gotten canceled. Mm. And, you know, maybe this is him saying, hey, I don't quite have it anymore. I'm getting older, you know, seeing what happened to his buddy Eddie mm. and, you know, not wanting the same demise for him. And then, you know, you look at someone like Vince Neil, who like every week <laughs> I see a headline be like, nope, he still can't sing. He's trying, but he can't do it. Every every week, Vince Neil is at another county fair look, looking maybe slightly slimmer than the... Unfortunately, I mean, I give him credit, Vince Neil. He still looks like a fat bastard, but he's less of a fat bastard than he was a month ago. So he's making progress. But if only the the proportion of fat drop was inversely proportional to voice gain, then we might be onto something with Vince Neil because he needs to gain about as much voice as he needs to drop fat. And that mathematical equation just isn't going to work out for him in time for that big Motley Crue stadium tour. Do you know why you're only seeing headlines about Vince Neil and none about Tommy Lee and Nikki Six? Because Tommy Lee and Nikki Six are currently in the Philippines looking for his replacement. <laughs> They're like, Journey did it. We gotta have one that sounds like Vince. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That might be the case. Well, here's the thing with David Lee Roth, right? I love David Lee Roth, even though... I, the, 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 also, as far as his singing goes, I don't think he could ever sing. He was never a singer. I think when he was in Van Halen, he could sing better than he could now. But he was never... It was never about the singing. He could just about do the vocals, and it was about the moves and the showmanship and what a great front man he was. Now... I feel like this is the weird thing with, and this is a David Lee Roth thing, but it could also apply to other huge rock stars. The most recent run of Vegas shows he did, um, I think they, there were going to be more, but then they got pulled for due to COVID. So he, he's announced these shows around New Year that are supposed to be his final shows before he retires. But about 18 months ago, he did like six shows in Vegas. And the first couple were absolutely horrible right. he sounded bad the band were faceless I, I swear to you you could have walked from that david lee roth show i think it was at the house of blues and gone up the strip in vegas and found pretty much any covers band playing next to one of the casinos doing a better a van halen song than what david lee roth was right. doing at the time and what i always find fascinating with people like david lee roth is he's one of the biggest rock stars in the world and yet he doesn't have the wherewithal to put enough stuff around him to make a vegas show great because when you get to nearly 70 if you're still in good shape, and I think he's in very good shape, and you look good, that's 75% of the job. Right. The rest of it, you can put around you. If he got himself a great band, and they put some effects on the voice, and a good sound man, there would be enough for him in his current physical state, which I think is really strong, to be able to do a great show. But instead, you've got this ramshackle piece of shit that, like I said, was probably about half as good as any covers band playing Van Halen on the Vegas Strip that same night. Yeah, I think it goes a lot to Rockstar Ego that he wouldn't do something like that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, again, like, 
David Lee Roth really doesn't seem like this type. Like, he really does seem like the happy-go-lucky, like, everyone love everyone type. But I'm sure deep down he's like, I'm freaking David Lee Roth. I don't need a backing band. I'm one of the biggest stars in the world. You know, everyone... And I'm included in this. Everyone always wants to say, oh, he's the showman. Hagar mm. was a singer. And, oh, he wasn't that great of a singer. You know, that's bullshit. All singing is is, you know, there's not a good singer, bad singing. It's subjective. So, like, he has such a undeniable voice, such a recognizable mm. voice. That, that I mean, like, we were just talking about the Rolling Stones and Mick Jagger. I wouldn't say Mick Jagger's some incredible singer, no. but he's written some of the best songs that his voice is so known and noticeable that people relate to it. Sure, you're not going to be seeing, you know, David Lee Roth covering, you know, Bocelli anytime soon. <laughs> but when you hear him do that high-pitched scream and go into jump, you can't help but love it. But that's what I mean. There's so much with David Lee Roth, and he still has the physical uh, makeup and the ability to be a great showman that if you put the right stuff around him, you could make those shows great. And maybe it is rock star ego. Maybe it is no one has said no to David Lee Roth in so long that he's unmanageable. But when you've got that level of showmanship still within you, and you are one of the most famous singers of all time, there's no excuse to go up on stage in Vegas doing your own show and it look as ramshackled as the first couple of David Lee Roth shows did 18 months ago, to, to the point that someone was actually saying to me over the weekend, oh, I might get some, some, uh, some passes. Do you want to go with me? And here's my dilemma. This is my Diamond Dave dilemma. Part of me doesn't want to go see it because I think it's probably going to be as horrible as it was the last time. Right. But then the person that said to me, I might get some passes, do you want to go with me? Used to work for Van Halen and she worked for Van Halen because they met her when she worked in a strip club in the <laughs> 80s. And everything about that oh makes me think if I get in the same room as that woman and David Lee Roth, oh my God. Well, I think David Lee Roth is taking your advice and maybe he is getting the right people behind him because, you know, there is rumors that he, these five shows, he's going to be with Alex Van Halen. So no, there's that's that. A, no, that's absolutely not happening. Really? That's absolutely not happening. Because he definitely hinted at that in his reti- quote-unquote retirement speech. Well, I don't think he's given a speech, as he just said, like, I'm... Statement, not speech. Didn't he just say these are the last shows? Well, yeah, but he did it it in a 10-minute soliloquy like David Lee Roth does. Is he he on the phone to whoever does manage him going, do I need to pose outside a random dive bar with a bottle of beer to sell some tickets? Like, what's going on here? I'm just saying. Call Stern. Put me on Stern. (laughs) Didn't he replace Stern? He did, but he don't hate Stern. Oh, so he won't... See, that would be an interview. No. No. No, he won't. Stern literally talked about it today. He was, he was like, yeah, I'll have him on. But, but the Roth won't do it? Yeah, no, he doesn't like him. My fear is that the David Lee Roth final five or however many shows there are in Vegas are going to be almost as horrible as David Lee Roth's radio shows replacing <laughs> Howard Stern. To the point that Mrs. I used to work in a strip club and that's how I got a job with Van Halen who's going, she want to be my plus one? Because I feel like just knowing that about this lady means if I go with her, I am in the inner, inner sanctum. That is still making me go, oh God. But you know, I don't know if I want to see all that and we have all the backstage, like let's call it fun. And then 30 minutes later, I'm around the front of the House of Blues listening to David Lee Roth literally going, running with well, hey, I know how Las Vegas can turn that five-show stretch into two, and all they got to do is invite Alex, Wolfie, and Michael. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be happening. I don't think that's going to be happening. Um, let's uh, do a quick thing to uh, round up. This is a, a new segment that we're going to do on the Did You America, and this segment is called Things I Have in Common with President Trump. <laughs> Jeremy's very oh, un- Jeremy's very uncomfortable oh, no. about, about the segment, so it may only last Say one nothing segment. nothing about the border. Say nothing about the border <laughs> i'm kidding that was a joke people calm down put your cancel buttons away so here is the very first edition and possibly the last edition of things i have in common with president trump is that not your real hair <laughs> you don't look very spray tan so someone uh, who used to work for him is uh, releasing a book 
I feel what else like, is new? Well, I feel like in the grand scheme of tell-all Trump books, this is not really, you know, trumping the others for stories, right? I mean, there's no... Uh... Yeah, this is what happens when someone that likes you writes a book. <laughs> it's still not very pleasant, but... So the big revelation from this book is that uh, Trump used to get quite angry, which I think we can all uh, imagine. And uh, the thing that would calm Trump down from being so angry... Ice is cream? When someone would play a song from Cats the Musical. What? Like, at, at the risk of saying something controversial... He must love James Corden. And perhaps... And perhaps... Um, not politically correct. Do you think anyone's ever pointed out to Trump how gay his music tastes are? Because, <laughs> I mean, I don't... And again... He wants a- you to believe it's like, you know, the old crooners, but no... <laughs> It's wrong to stereotype, but I think it is a fair stereotype that gays, a lot of gays, like musicals and the village people. <laughs> I was going to say, why are you surprised? His go-to song was YMCA. That's what I mean. Where y- it's fun to stay. YMCA. Young man, there's no need to feel down. <laughs> and the... And apparently... Songs from cats. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like I is don't. This, does he is he trying to get the gay vote for re-election? I'm confused here. If there was a playlist on Spotify for gay, it would be this. <laughs> it's painted orange. I mean, they, there's um there's a station. You know, Palm Springs is loads of gays, right? All of gays course. go to Palm Springs, right? Like uh, it was like um who's the singer? I write the songs. The gay one. I'm Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow moved there. In- Barry Manilow's gay. Uh, well, he only came to terms with it a few years ago. Um, I thought he was a coxman. <laughs> Barry Manilow moved there in like 1970 something, and then every gay who could afford it, who got to about 50 and could retire, followed him. That's Please don't the- tell me Liberace was too. <laughs> he was not Palm Springs, right? Um, so, um, so what was my point? I'm sorry. I distracted oh, no, you. I don't know what my point was. So, Palm Springs, full of gays. Yes. There is a radio station, I'm not making this up, in Palm Springs called K-Gay. K-G-A-Y. Beca- Just really leaning into it. Well... I was going to say a very inappropriate joke. <laughs> Just tell me after. Just tell me after. We're almost done here. <laughs> K-Gay is a station in Palm Springs. I've never listened, but I imagine that K-Gay... Sure. <laughs> well, there was that one time I was around Barry Manilow's house. And I said, no, Barry, I'm not. it's not Copacabana that I'm a fan of. I like that song that Jim Steinman wrote that Meatloaf also covered. Can you sing me that one? Copacabana's not gay enough. No. Um, Read them and weep. That's a good one. Do you know that one? No. Uh, it's a Jim Steinman song. I only song. know Copacabana. You don't know I write the songs? I have, uh, kind of. Mandy. Okay, maybe he does have a bigger catalog than I thought. Yeah, come on. You're the gayest one on this podcast. You <laughs> <Hello>. should know. <laughs> rather, than the, rather than the actual gay one on this podcast. You normally know. I'm always just trying to confuse the audience. You normally know all of the gay stuff that I've got no point of reference for. And you're letting yourself down with Barry Manilow. I tried to watch the Kardashians with you. You wouldn't let me. No, you're there going like, look, Kardashians, all gays like Kardashians. So I'm going, I want to watch Rambo. So there's a station called K-Gay. <laughs> This joke's not funny anymore. I was, I'm sorry. We got, so, so got so far beyond the point. I was about to say, K-Gay in Palm Springs is basically Trump's Spotify 24-7. But I don't think it's funny now because... Well, it, when because were we the, talking about Trump? Because it's the new segment, things I have in oh, common yeah. with President Trump. Oh, you're See, both gay. Got it, got it. <laughs> See, see how much fun this segment is. That's the thing that's going to get us soon. What I just said. New York producer, cancel that. Throw it out. I think everyone is aware that Trump's not gay. Okay, good, good. If I get a lawsuit, though, it's on you. Um, So, um, what was the point? Oh, this was the point. So, apparently. love of cats. Yes. Right. Basically, he's like, hey, Melania, go to kgay.com and hit listen live. I, want, I, want, I need to calm down. <laughs> can, you just, can you just picture him, though, like in the White House, fully dressed as a cat, just like belting it out? Like, 
everyone leave the room i have to be alone and just like footloose style just like lets it all out <laughs> yeah like he ch- changes into some sort of like elton john stage food it's a full-on cat uniform there's nothing else you can perform cats to okay okay now see now you're doing he what borrows ex- it from james corden because they're the same size oh right okay right 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 again see this is what i mean like you're more familiar with cats than i am that's right that's the point i like that memories is a fantastic okay, song okay you need to do it's stuff i haven't caught you, 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 you need to do some work on barry manilow but your knowledge of cats Certainly in the homosexual demographic. If you want to get into Streisand, we'll get into Streisand. But that's because I'm Jewish, sir. <laughs> yeah, that song she did with Neil Diamond. You oh. come every time you hear it. Oh. <laughs> was that Love on the Rocks? Was sure. that Love on the Rocks? I, I don't think even it was. Know it no, she did. She did do a song with Neil Diamond. Um, oh, I believe that. Yeah. Um, so, cats. <laughs> I think we made our point. No, we haven't. I haven't done the bit. I've got in common oh. with Trump. That's the whole point of the feature. Is it not that you love cats? <laughs> no. Oh. So the story in the book is he's got this. Mu- okay, I'm just going to do it quickly now. The basically the premise is the story in the book is that he's got this person who's called the Music Man, right? So every time Trump, when he was president, was like going, God damn it! No, 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 no. Someone would press a button and it'd be like, Dada, Music Man, and someone would come in and start playing the cat soundtrack to calm him down oh so the like, music man had his own musical intro for him to play cats i'm maybe <laughs> embellishing the story there's de- according to the book there was definitely someone who was known as the music man he was definitely the highest paid right and and it was his job to play cats in the vicinity of trump to calm him down he definitely didn't even have like an old school ipod he like carried the 90s boombox <laughs> on his shoulder for it <laughs> He's like, okay, I brought some cassettes. Do you want Barry Manilow, Cats, or Barbara Streisand today? Hey, the he's big like, three. He goes, you know, I've got a surprise for you. I went to a thrift store and I found a lesser known 1981 since being deleted cassette by the Village People. It's the album after YMCA. Would you like that? <laughs> Why, yes, I would. <laughs> anyway, um,. The thing that I've got in common with Trump, which actually after all of that is not nowhere near as amusing as everything else we've just done, was the fact that when I was working in Shitsville and very, very angry all the time because I was in the UK and all I wanted to do was move to America and live in a proper country, I used to do a daily radio show and I would get very annoyed at absolutely everything because I was in Shitsville. And my best ever intern, who actually went on to become a program director himself, figured out the way to calm me down was Steely Dan. And <laughs> radio stations have what they call playout systems because everything in radio is on a computer now. So every song, every little sweeper, jingle thing, everything that goes, K-Gay, they're all on a computer. <laughs> so the best ever intern... One day, we were on an alternative station, right? So I was playing Smashing Pumpkins and Blink-182 all day long. But he loaded into that alternative station's playout system... Dirty Work by Steely Dan. Not not because we would ever play it on the radio station, but when I was in the studio during the songs, raging about someone got my coffee order wrong in Starbucks or whatever was my issue for the day in Shitsville. Not being in America. He would just press a button and then quietly over the speakers, boom, down, down, down. That's the intro to the dirty work. Everyone you, got yeah, it. Yeah. Life just is hard. Like it. You're afraid to pay the fee. So you find out suddenly I'd be like, oh, dirty work by Steely Dan. So I read this story about the cat soundtrack and uh, I sent it to uh, the guy that was the best intern who's now a program director and uh, I said, uh, hey, have you read this story about cats calming down Trump? Does it remind you of anything circa 2012? And he sent back a reply going, it's eerily close. (laughs) (laughs) You're no longer the fool to do his dirty work. And that concludes today's episode of Things I've Got in Common with President Trump. Now, I think if we can bring um, Barry Manilow and Palm Springs into it every time, we might have a good working segment. You've never laughed as much. I think think this segment, as much as I don't want to admit it, might have just got him (laughs) re-elected. I did this, America. (laughs) Oh, 
Okay. Um, I think we are now done. I'm going to go listen to K-Gay from Palm Springs. <laughs> Bring on the cats. <laughs> I, I'm going to That's see- why Trump didn't have dogs in the White House. Oh. Ah, he was a cat guy. Send a message to K-Gay and say, I'm going online in five minutes. Could they be playing the Barry Manilow Meatloaf Jim Steinman song? Because that's my favorite. <laughs> and expect this show coming up on K-Gay in a few weeks. Can you imagine if they broadcast this show? Did you, America, coming <laughs> to you live? <laughs> <laughs> they would hire us because of you, immediately regret the decision, and then see me and be like, well, at least we got him. Can you can you just pretend to be gay for a little bit? It's not going to be very hard for you. Like Jeremy, we're never going to get the new morning show on K Gay if you're not familiar with the Barry Manilow back catalog. But when I they know ask, when they ask you the questions on cats, yeah, you're going to ace that. But when they talk about things other than Copacabana, you need to show knowledge, Mandy. <laughs> Probably actually Mason. Of course it was. <laughs> That's why I didn't know. I only know that version. <laughs> All right, let's end before I get canceled. Uh, there was a famous uh, gay British politician called Peter Mandelson, and his nickname was Mandy. But I think that came <laughs> after the song. Oh, I don't know if Manilow Man- Man- <laughs> was writing the song about him. Yeah, he, was, he predicted the future. <laughs> All right, we'll be back if anyone listens to this podcast in anything approaching real time uh, on Thursday or tomorrow morning from 6am on KGAY. That's K-G-A-Y <laughs> dot com. <laughs>